The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for all the best and latest news, tips, techniques, and strategies in real estate investing. The Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati meets tomorrow evening at the usual location, the Jordan Crossing at the corner of Reading and Seymour Avenues. It's a very special meeting tomorrow night. We're at the early meeting from 6 to 7.30. You can hear all about how to find great apartment deals in ways that other people don't know how to find great apartment deals. Now, you might notice that that is a uh, longer than normal early meeting. Normally, the early meetings are 6 to 7, but uh, we have a an out-of-town speaker coming in who has so much to say that we're giving him an extra half hour. We'll then compress the buy-sell trade session, and then at 7.45, you'll get to hear RIA member and past Real Life Real Estate guest Kareem Ellis talk about how to wholesale single-family homes. So lots of money-making information at tomorrow night's RIA meeting. Everyone is welcome. You can get more information at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's Cincinnati, R-E-I-A.com. Or by calling 859-292-7342. My guest today is uh, actually the same fellow who's coming in tomorrow at RIA to talk about finding great apartment deals. His name is Charles Dobbins. You've heard him here on Real Life Real Estate before. He's the co-founder of the Multifamily Investing Academy. He is an attorney at Dobbins Law LLC, and he is the owner-operator of over 400 apartment units and has negotiated over $200 million worth of multifamily transactions. He's coming us today on Real Life Real Estate to talk about wholesaling apartment buildings. And Charles, I have to say, I'm skeptical. <laughs> Hello, Vina. How are you? I'm good, Charles. How are you? Good, very good. Thanks. So well, I appreciate your your candor there and uh, and uh, uh, telling me your impressions of of uh, what I'm what I'm explaining is bird dogging and wholesaling of multifamily deals. Um, and I'm actually glad that I heard the introduction to your talk because I think I was going to be somewhere else uh, at. Seven o'clock tomorrow, or six o'clock tomorrow. I, I guess I'll have to change, uh, put the new address in my GPS. Yeah. So um, I'm looking forward to speaking tomorrow. And I think that the topic that we're, we're going to talk on on Thursday is going to be a great lead-in for what uh, my partner Jillian and I will be talking about over the weekend. And it is a way that the new investor can get started in the multifamily business. 
and so many times people feel as though they will never be able to buy an apartment building or apartment complex or or start to move up the the real estate food chain and a lot of it has to do with the fact that they just lack the experience lack the confidence and they don't know how to approach uh, the larger size properties and what we're going to teach on Thursday is really how to do it very slowly, uh, how to uh, understand what it is that you need to know in order to start evaluating properties, and more importantly, how to go out there and find those particular properties. And, you know, the, the, the real focus is going to be on thinking about getting into the multifamily business as a finder of properties. And I can tell you from personal experience, I am, my law firm, we represent uh, many, many clients who are always looking for apartment deals. And if somebody comes along and finds a great deal and brings it to me that matches what one of my clients are looking for, they're going to get paid for that. And it didn't cost them anything. It just took, you know, time out of their schedule to, to constantly be working the market and looking for deals right over the internet uh, and they'll, they'll get a check at the closing table if they find those types of deals and that's what we're going to focus the conversation on on Thursday how to do exactly that mm-hmm. and uh, Charles let me let me explain my comment about being skeptical about this uh, strategy it comes mostly from the fact that I've seen several courses come across my email over the past few years uh, that were on that exact topic. They were on the topic of, you know, you can wholesale apartment buildings, you can make five-figure checks, unlike single-family homes where you might only make a four-figure check. And it's so, so easy that all you have to do is buy my software and it'll buy and sell properties for you. <laughs> the, 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 the amount of knowledge that one needs to wholesale apartment buildings probably isn't greater than the amount of knowledge one would need to wholesale residential properties, but it's different. That's absolutely true. And Vina, I am, I am on the exact same page as you are. And one of the reasons why I'm, I'm focusing on this particular topic is because so many people call my office, ask to speak to me about uh, wholesaling deals. And I listen to them and how they are structuring the deal and how they are planning on getting paid. And I just think to myself, where are you getting this information? You need to learn and understand how the process works if you're ever going to make money uh, in the wholesaling business. So you're, you're right. There isn't much difference between the process, but it is a different learning curve. Uh, you know, you've got to understand how to read a balance, read up an income expense statement, and we teach you all of that uh, exactly how to do it the right way. We have videos that will walk you through the whole entire process, but it's really understanding that um, it is a business, and you are going to have to learn this business to be a success at it. But you can make those t- that type of money if you know what you're doing in the wholesaling arena. And some of those people that, that have gone out there and sold these courses and, and uh, you, know, you know, buy my uh, instant, uh, you know, deal finder software type of programs, um, they tend, as I've seen it, they tend to focus on a particular niche within the wholesaling. 
And what they're doing is they're focusing on something that's going on in the marketplace and saying, hey, take advantage of this right away. You know, it's a short window. you got to get in now. Uh, and what we try to do is really give it more of a holistic approach to understand that this is just part of the business. Here is the whole business you'll need to learn, and we'll teach you and take you through it step by step so that you never feel overwhelmed in the process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, so let's let's talk about this wholesaling apartments thing and the ways in which it it might be different than wholesaling residential property. I mean, the, the, the most obvious difference has got to be these are bigger dollar deals. Your typical single family home, you know, even in even in places that aren't flyover country like Ohio, is going to be significantly less expensive than your typical, say, 40 plus unit building. And therefore, the potential for profit in single-family homes is probably lower than it is in apartments. What what sort of, uh, you're calling them finder's fees, what sort of finder's fees are you seeing people getting in the apartment flipping business? Okay. Um, I'll, I'll answer that question first, and then I'd like to go back and kind of, instead of talking about the differences between the business, let's talk about the similarities between the two businesses. You'd be surprised. Um, the, the way that money typically exchanges hands in a bird-dogging, wholesaling type of business is on the bird-dogging side, where all you're doing is finding a property for a particular buyer. You're getting that buyer to enter into a fee agreement with you so that you know you're going to get paid at the closing table, and then that's all you do. And if the buyer buys that property, they owe you compensation. Typically, the compensation on that type of an arrangement is about 1% of the purchase price. Now, with wholesaling, because wholesaling involves a little bit more risk, and there's, there could be an exchange of money where you might actually even have to write a check in order to get into the deal, there's more reward involved on the wholesaling side. Let me give you an example of one uh, particular deal that uh, I was involved with where the person got the deal uh, under contract for $200,000. He was looking to wholesale it for $400,000. And and the client of mine knew that the real value of this property was closer to $900,000. So if he went and, and got a bird dog fee from that initial wholesaler, he could make about $4,000 on the deal, 1% of the $400,000. But what he decided to do was to wholesale that contract, buy it from the first wholesaler at the $400,000 price, and then turn around and sell that contract to someone else at about $700,000, which was still well below the market value of the property. So instead of putting $4,000 in his pocket, he stands to make $300,000 on that deal. But the thing is, he had to get it on the contract. He almost had to write an earnest money check, but he got out of doing that. So in, that, in other words, he got a really great deal where he didn't have to come up with any, any cash out of his own pocket, and he was able to, to just sell the contract to someone else and, uh, and keep his money. So that's the difference between bird dogging fees and wholesaling contracts. Wholesaling, you can really get very creative. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, we need to take a quick break. I want to invite listeners, though, to send us any questions at askvina at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-V like in Victor, E-N-A at gmail.com. Or to give us a call at 877-772-9658. 
Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Charles Dobbins, apartment expert and a guy who's trying to convince me that it is possible for brand new investors to wholesale apartment buildings. And uh, Charles, we actually got a uh, we actually got a, an email at askvina.com during the break from Don, who's in Columbus, Ohio. He says, Charles, my experience with the apartment business is that it's somewhat more cutthroat than the residential business. I'd be very concerned about telling buyers about properties I only had under contract because I'd be afraid they would go around me and not want to pay me. John, you're absolutely right. And this happens all the time. And this is the thing that I that the first question when someone calls my office and they're telling me about some wholesale deal or some bird dog deal that they're working on, my first question to them always is, who is paying you? And they're like, well, no, I know this guy is a friend of mine. No, no, no. <laughs> who is paying you? Where is the contract that ties you to this deal? And you would be amazed at how many times people come back and say, oh, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't have sent over that information before I had it under contract. And that is something that we absolutely stress. And it's something that we teach all of our, our clients is that you've got to understand something that's called privity of contract. You have to be somewhere in the food chain of this deal on paper or you will never see a dime of that money. And so we provide all the contracts, the, the non, non-circumvent, non-disclosure uh, agreements, the confidentiality agreements, and the fee agreements to make sure that the person is going to get paid. But that is absolutely the biggest problem I see going on among the new in- investors is they, they're too afraid to ask for the contract to be signed. Hey, if you don't get that signed, no one's going to pay you. And I always use the example uh, where they say, um, oh, but I know this guy. He's a friend of mine. I said, great. He may be a friend of yours now, but will his widow's next husband be your friend too? And as soon as they see it that way, they realize, geez, you're right. I better get this thing under contract. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And um, let me... Let me uh, go back to something that you had said a little bit earlier about the similarities between residential wholesaling and apartment type wholesaling. There's always a question in potential wholesalers minds uh, that's sort of a chicken or the egg question. Do you need to have buyers and know what they want before you go out and start making offers on apartment buildings? Or do you go out and make offers on apartment buildings and then hope you can find a buyer for them? You know, that's a Vina, excellent question. You're right on the money here with this problem. And I've heard this so many times where people say something to the effect, well, if you find the deal, the money will follow. You know, in today's marketplace, that's not exactly the case. And you can really bring value as a bird dog or a wholesaler if you know who your customers are and you know what your customers' needs are. So in the similarity with with single-family uh, flips and, and getting out there and, and wholesaling single-family deals, in, in those scenarios, everybody doesn't think twice about building a buyer's list. You've got to get out there and find out who are the people that you are going to be able to wholesale the contract to once you get a deal under contract. The same is true with, with wholesaling of multifamily deals. You've got to start buying, building your buyer's list now so that when the deal comes along, 
you can get out there and find it. You know, for instance, I, you know, if I've got a couple of clients all over the country, the one that is looking for a deal in Tampa, Florida, and if you knew who this client was and what they were looking for and what their parameters were, you could go down there and start, start you know, searching the Tampa marketplace for, for a deal that meets that person's criteria. I just came across an off-market deal down in Tampa, Florida that, that almost met her criteria, and uh, it didn't quite quite meet her criteria, so she passed on it. But if I was a bird dogger and she did that deal, I could walk away with a check for $75,000. But if you've got to know your customer's needs and then go out there and fill those needs. So that's another thing that we talk about in the class is how to build this list very quickly and how to cultivate this list so that you know when you do find that deal, you'll have somebody that will want to buy it from you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, uh, we also have a question here from Gene, who is in Arizona. He says, I've always been very interested in the idea of flipping apartments, but what has always hung me up is that in my residential flipping business, I only work with cash buyers. I assume that the folks who are buying the properties that are commercial properties are getting financing. How do I wait for them to do that? How do I? How am I assured that they're going to be able to do it? And how, do I get paid on the closing statement if they can finance the property? Oh, I was like, four okay. questions. <laughs> yeah, uh, great questions, uh, Gene. Here's, here's typically how you, you have to think about it. First off, don't discount the apartment buyers as being cash buyers. We're seeing more and more cash buyers picking up some sweetheart deals right now so that they can move quickly on a deal. And then after they own the deal, then they go and they, they finance their cash back out of the property. So we're seeing more cash deal uh, buyers out there picking up property. So there is no reason why you can't work with cash buyers on a uh, wholesale deal. But you're absolutely right that when you're dealing with a multifamily wholesale arrangement, you're going to have to juggle a lot of dates and a lot more uh, things in the air to make the deal happen. You've got to understand, you know, when you're sitting down with the with the seller of the property. What you're going to try to do is negotiate a longer uh, due diligence period, a longer financing period, a longer close period, uh, in order to be able to get out there and find that end buyer who's going to want to uh, close in that property. And the other thing, too, is, and this is part of that building of the list process, is you want to find out what type of financing requirements your ultimate buyer is going to need so that you can take that into consideration when you're negotiating the deal. So you've got to think, you're really brokering the deal yourself. You're trying to get the best deal from the seller, and then you're trying to find the buyer who meets those criteria and matching them up. And that's how you get the big payday. You don't ask those types of questions. You don't work that type of angle. You're never going to get a deal done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Would it be fair to say that just as someone who's going to wholesale single-family homes, kind of has to understand the single-family home business from the perspective of, is the buyer going to be a landlord? Are they going to be a rehabber? What kind of repairs are they going to do? What are they going to cost? That an apartment wholesaler needs to understand the apartment business, even though he's not, at this point, quote, in the apartment business, he's in the wholesaling business? Right. But the but that's the thing. That this is the learning process that that bird dog or wholesaler needs to go to go through in order to someday be a very good apartment owner. 
So this is a great place for them to really cut their teeth and learn the business without having to put up any money to do so. And you're absolutely right. What they're going, a good wholesaler is going to be able to put together a package to sell that property to their buyer's list. And by doing that, they're going to have to be able to do the evaluation of the deal themselves. They're going to have to be able to determine you know, the, the income of that property, the expenses on that property, how that property can be funded, uh, how it can be uh, financed, and all of those types of things so that when they turn around to their buyer's list and present that deal, the buyers will look at it and realize this guy knows what he's talking about and he can, he can uh, uh, really help me close this deal. And that's, that's exactly what we do. We do that now for all of our clients who buy it themselves, and we do it for the people in the wholesaling uh, end of it as well. A mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, question from John in Connecticut that uh, really we could do two or three shows on this topic. But <laughs> he says, please discuss the difference between bird dog and wholesale money versus the long-term buy and hold long-term cash flow. So in other words, uh, perhaps what John is asking is, why should I wholesale when I can have the long-term cash flow? Or perhaps he's asking for a comparison between what the bird dog or wholesaler is going to make and what the guy who buys it from him is going to make over the long term. Okay. Uh, you have to understand, and I try to uh, paint this in a... Uh, you know, one of those pictures of the of the you know caveman all the way up to the, the Homo sapiens standing upright. If you look at the food chain here of the apartment investor, the lowest one on the totem pole, with no disrespect meant whatsoever, would be the bird dog. That person really doesn't come out of pocket or take on any risk whatsoever. They are just out there finding deals that are not on the market that they can't find on those regular uh, websites that everybody else looks at. And they, uh, in presenting that deal to an end buyer, and that end buyer ends up buying that property, and he owes that bird dogger a, a finder's fee for doing that deal. The bird dogger did not come out of pocket for any cash. They never got themselves in, into any type of a contract that required them to have to do anything. Uh, and it really was just like a, a, um, a broker fee. I don't want to call it that because they're not licensed as brokers, but it's really a, a finder's fee that this person is going to get uh, at the closing table. The wholesaler on the other uh, end of it is, is most likely going to be the person entering into a purchase and sale contract with the seller, and they will assign that contract to an end buyer at some point for a fee. So... At that point, the wholesaler has to put their name on the dotted line, and they may have to come up with an earnest money deposit to, to bind that contract. So as you can see, the wholesaler is now taking a little bit more risk in the whole process. But he also tries to negotiate that deal so that he can earn more money uh, as well. Now, once, those, once the deal closes, the bird dogger and the wholesaler are out of the picture. They got their money, they're done. There's no long-term revenue uh, for the wholesaler. But what's happened is they're starting to learn the business, they're starting to get the hang of it, they're starting to find out how this whole process operates. And now, sooner or later, they're going to start moving into ownership themselves. And when they find a deal, they've got this big buyer list, it could also be a big investor list, and they can all start working together towards purchasing a property, and then the wholesaler can move up to the next level, which is the investor, 
where they get to keep a piece of the action long term. So that's kind of the flow of, of how uh, apartment investors operate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We need to take another quick break. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're talking about flipping and bird dogging apartments with Charles Dobbins. If you have questions or comments, you can give us a call at 877-772-9658 or send an email to askbina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Talking to Charles Dobbins, who has personally owned and operated over 400 apartment units and negotiated over $200 million worth of multifamily transactions. Uh, He is an attorney. We try not to hold that against him, (laughs) mostly. Um, Charles, we should should, uh, explain, because you keep mentioning that uh, you're going to be back in Cincinnati on uh, over the weekend, and uh, that is true. That's another Cincinnati RIA-sponsored event, and uh, it's kind of an interesting one because you're going to spend the day on this concept of wholesaling apartments. Your partner, Jillian, who's been here on Real Life Real Estate many times, is going to spend Saturday talking about how to legally raise money, whether that be for apartment buildings or for bulk REO purchases or tax liens or defaulted notes or whatever the case may be, and uh, um, you know, not 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 to say that people shouldn't definitely come to your day on Sunday, but Jillian's going to be covering in part this new Jobs Act that has sort of changed the face of what we can do legally in the ra- in the way of raising money. Yep, and she'll she'll take care of that all on Saturday. So you're really getting the full gamut. If you're looking to do anything in the multifamily side, raise money for it, whatever you need, how to find the deals, get them under contract, this is going to be a great weekend where we're going to uh, be there all the time, answer all your questions, uh, tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And folks who are interested in that uh, can go to CincinnatiRia.com. It is a two-day event. Um, it's extremely inexpensive, and it's it's worth driving in for if you're listening outside the greater Cincinnati area. So check that out, CincinnatiREIA.com. Question from JC in Las Vegas. How do you suggest that I pre-screen a prospective apartment buyer up front for seriousness and capability? Should I interview them and decide whether to devote any resources to finding deals for them? Absolutely. But don't make it a confrontational or an adversarial interview. These people, you really want to get to know. You want to find out what they're doing, how long they've been in the business, what their expertise is. Um, It's almost like a loan application, so to speak. You want to find out, will these people be able to qualify for a multifamily property? If they come out to you and say, yeah, we're looking for 150 units or more, Ask them, do you own any property now? Have you ever owned any property? And if the answer is no, we never have. Getting a, a, a loan for 150-unit property in today's marketplace for someone that doesn't have any experience is going to be a little hard. So you might want to think twice about whether that person is going to be the right fit for some of these types of deals that, that might come along. Now, for instance, that Tampa deal that I was talking about, there was going to be no bank involved. It was going to be uh, seller finance, uh, 80% seller finance. The person would have to show up with a check for the 20%. So in that particular case, being a strong sponsor was not going to be a requirement. That was going to be a very easy deal for a new investor. So 
uh, this is the type of thing you need to find out from that potential buyer. Uh, because at the end of the day, you're only going to get paid if that guy closes. And if he doesn't, if he's not able to close, you're never going to see a dime. So don't be afraid to ask those tough questions. But build a relationship with that person because you never know down the road when that person might be able to uh, be your best friend, so to speak, in this business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Listeners, if you have a question for Charles Dobbins, you can give us a call at 877-877. Okay, let me start over again. Forget everything I just said. 877-772-9658 or go to askvina at gmail.com and just send it in as an email but do that sooner rather than later because often there's a delay and I get these questions five minutes after the show is off the air um, now Charles I know you are a strong advocate whether the student is intending to buy and hold apartments or whether they're in tending to flip them of finding these deals in the right way. And we actually did an interview back uh, last year uh, in the fall, if folks want to go to our podcast on iTunes and and listen to that. But uh, if, if I could summarize your philosophy, I think it would be don't look for deals where everyone else is looking for deals. Correct. You know, if you look at this, what you're trying to do with the bird dog and wholesaling and moving up the food chain is what you're trying to do is build your multifamily business. And the first thing you need to do is identify who your customers are going to be, and that's how you build a list correctly. The next thing you need to do is to be able to go out there and bring value to those customers. And you cannot bring value to customers if all you're doing is rehashing the same product that they can find anywhere else. You've got to be able to go out there and find a quality product for them. And in our business, a quality product is a property that has not been blasted out to the world. That is what we call as off-market deals. And I get into a lot of philosophical discussions behind, well, if it's for sale, wouldn't that be considered on-market? Yeah, that's true. Uh, but, you know, some of these properties are, are early in the gestation period of the sales cycle, and they may not have been, been blasted out. I keep coming back to this Tampa deal. Uh, that one was one that uh, I actually found through a Cincinnati broker, and uh, we were able to identify it. It had not hit the market yet. I checked it out on the market, could not, could not find it anywhere, and we would have had first crack of this property because it was off-market. It eventually will be on-market, uh, and it will be swallowed up very, very quickly. But that's how you're going to find these types of deals and bring value to your client because you are bringing them something that they have never seen before and nobody else has either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, and not to name names, uh, this being public radio and all, uh, you do not suggest to people that they go to the four or five most common websites and brokerages uh, websites looking for deals that their buyers can find just as easily. Right. I, I, it's amazing how often I get emails from bird doggers saying, I've got these off-market opportunities. I got one the other day. A client in, in the Kansas City area was looking for a deal. I found this bird dogger had a, case, a, a property in Kansas City, Kansas. He sent it on over. First thing I do is go to my number one source on the Internet for all deals, typed in the name of the property, and sure enough, it popped right up. <laughs> so I sent it back to him. I said, I'm sorry, but this is just not going to fly. Uh, this, you know, this has already been listed on one of the big sites. 
goes, oh, geez, I'm so sorry, I didn't know. Like, you didn't know? Did you really not look that hard? Because anyone could have found this, this deal in 30 seconds. So in that particular case, I don't want to work with that bird dogger. He's not going to bring my client any value. Uh, but at the same time, though, if you build up a strong relationship with certain brokers, they will provide you with deals before they hit the market. And that's what happened in this case with the Cincinnati broker. I have a very good relationship with him. And over time, when he gets a deal that, that before it hits the market, he knows it's something I might be interested in, he sends it to me. And in those particular cases, my clients get first look at it. That's the type of, of relationship you want to start building in this business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, question here from Daryl in Elmhurst, Illinois. He says, I've thought before about wholesaling apartment buildings. The problem is most brokers that I know want a an earnest money deposit of five to $10,000 before they even want to present contracts. If my intention is not to close it, how am I, A, supposed to come up with this, and B, supposed to get it back if I can't sell the property? Right. Okay. Well, that's exactly right. And as I mentioned before, that's the risk that you take when you start getting into wholesaling, is you now got to write the check. And you're saying five to $10,000. Typically, depending upon the size of the property, the earnest money deposit is about 1% of the purchase price. Now, if that's something that puts that you can't do... Then you got to go to Plan B and figure out a way to to get around that. You either need to borrow earnest money to uh, to to get into a deal like you would on a on a hard money loan, you know, transactional funding type of an arrangement, or you need to negotiate the, the contract in such a way that you don't have to put up any earnest money. And you mentioned that the brokers require this, and like, yeah, you know, the brokers do require that. You're going to see a lot of brokers do that. But that's because you're working through brokers. If you find deals that aren't done through brokers, you might be able to get away with, with negotiating a contract where you don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, have an email here from uh, sorry, Paul in Florence, Kentucky, and it's not really so much a question as I guess more of an amen. <laughs> he says, <laughs> he says, Charles is right on. People think apartment wholesaling doesn't work, but I have wholesaled two apartment deals in the last 12 months, a 32 unit building and a 48 unit building, both right here in the area between the two of them. I've made nearly $200,000 in profit. That's great. That's excellent. And I think, you know, if, if he can respond back to my comment here, the size deals that he just mentioned, I bet, are typically the, the type of deals that, that are, are, there's no broker involved. They're kind of small enough that the, that the big brokers won't, won't get involved in a, in a property that size. I bet, I bet uh, he, he might have been dealing directly with the owner uh, when he negotiated those contracts, and then he was able to turn around and sell it to an end user. So that's a, that's a very good-sized property to really cut your teeth on. Mm-hmm. Okay, we need to take one last break. This gives us one last chance for listeners to ask questions by calling 877-772-9658 or by sending an email to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today is Charles Dobbins, who is also the early speaker at tomorrow night's Cincinnati RIA meeting. It's uh, 
at the usual location at Jordan Crossing. You can get all the information about that at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiRIA.com. All guests can attend that session at no charge, and it's going to be kind of an kind of a a, a lot of wholesaling tomorrow evening because uh, after Charles is done talking about how to how to find the great deals on apartment buildings so that you can wholesale them or keep them if that's what you want, Kareem Ellis is going to be talking about uh, his experiences in wholesaling small residential properties, and I, I bet Kareem is there at your session, Charles, trying to <laughs> figure out how to wholesale apartment buildings because that's an oh, obvious good, good. <laughs> that's an obvious next step to. Uh, any wholesalers out there who are just, you know, looking to move it to the next level. And also to the people who, and, and there are many of these, many, 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 many people who their ultimate goal is to be in apartment buildings, but they think that what they have to do is start out in small residential because somehow that's a stepping stone to owning a hundred unit building. And in a lot of ways, it's really not. Yeah, and that is true. I, when I first got involved in investing, I started right into the apartment side because that's where I felt the most comfortable with. Uh, you know, I look at, you know, some people doing fix and flips, and it scares the daylights out of me. But I look at an apartment building as a business with a balance sheet and an income statement, and I understand that better than I do a um, uh, better than I do a uh, you know how to how to take out the cabinets in a in a, in a single family house. So really, it, it is where you picture yourself. I'm amazed at how many people do. Uh, get into this business with the vision of someday having that cash flow from apartments, but they don't know how to go from the single-family home investing all the way to the apartment side. And that's kind of what we're trying to, to bring them along slowly, is to educate them every step of the way through the process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, I, and I think I think what you're what you're going to be saying to them on Thursday and Sunday is if you want to be in the apartment business, be in the apartment business. You you don't have to you don't have to start out learning something that will it will it, will it apply somewhat to apartments? Yeah, is it really apartments? No, and that is the 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 small residential rental properties. Just you know, learn apartments, flip apartments, and when you've flipped enough apartments that you can now buy one, buy one. Do it exactly. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Okay, so uh, in terms of bird dogging or wholesaling apartments, uh, we've sort of talked about you got to have the inventory and you've got to you've got to make the make the good deals, just like you would in a in a single family flip. You have to have the buyers at the back end who can and will perform uh, when you find those deals. We've talked about sometimes, depending on how you want to set up the deal, you may have to have or get or borrow some money. What we really haven't talked about and, and don't have, don't have, not only don't have a ton of time to get into on the radio, it's just hard to do on the radio. And that is the ability to evaluate the properties. How, how, it's really hard, you know, if we were on television and we had a whiteboard, it would be, it would actually be pretty easy to show people those numbers. But um, how, how difficult is it to put the right value on an apartment building so that you're not trying to sell it to your buyer for some ridiculous price? Okay. It really, the formula for determining the value of a multifamily property is very simple. It involves three 
three variables, the purchase price, the net operating income, and the capitalization rate. Okay? The purchase price is what we're going to try to figure out. The capitalization rate is going to be something determined by the market, and, and if you're working in a particular market, you should know what the cap rate is in that market that you're working. So that boils us down to one variable that we need to figure out, and that's the net operating income. Now, the net operating income is very simply the income minus the expenses. But that's where we want to make sure that we're doing the evaluation correctly and understanding what is income, what are expenses, and making sure that they, they tie out correctly. Because if you can become an, an expert at that, and you can be, it is not hard whatsoever. If you know how to run a family budget, you can do this type of calculation. But as soon as you become an expert at doing that, your value as a wholesaler and as a bird dogger is going to skyrocket because everybody is going to understand that you know this business and you know what a good deal is and your calculation of that purchase price was spot on. So that's, that's really where you, how you're going. And, and if you're going to own the property, you're going to need to know this anyway. So why not learn how to do it and get paid for it while you're learning? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, question via email. And by the way, again, that email address is askvena, that's A-S-K-V-E-N-A at gmail.com. This one is from Robert in Cincinnati. He says, please help me understand at what point I am getting paid in this transaction. In a typical wholesale transaction, I understand that I am supposed to get paid to assign the contract. It sounds like Charles is saying I get paid at the closing, on the closing statement for these deals. Yeah, it, it really depends, especially in wholesaling. It can be negotiated different ways. Uh, I know that on single-family side, you tend to see um, when you assign the contract, you might expect to be paid then. On the wholesale, on the, on the multifamily side, Typically, everything is consummated at the closing table. If the deal doesn't go through, you're not going to get paid. So that's typically when you're going to get paid on a wholesaling of a multifamily uh, deal. So, I mean, that, that's, that's really it. Uh, you're going to really sit, have to stay in the deal and make sure that you, you help to quarterback the deal and get it closed as well. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see a payday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert just sent us a follow-up question. He says, by the way, the reason that I get paid beforehand in a residential deal is that my sellers are typically going to get upset if they find out that I have added money to their purchase price. Do you find this to be true with sellers of apartment buildings? Yes. And as a matter of fact, that's what one of the, well, I was involved in a situation like that just the other day where the, the wholesaler didn't want the end buyer to know how much he was going to make. And it was kind of, you know, we're working through the transaction, trying to figuring out if what we need to do is a double close so the, so the whole, so the end buyer does not see how much the wholesaler is going to make. But that's the other reason why if you're going to turn around and, and wholesale that contract to someone else, or in this particular case, it wasn't wholesaling or assigning the contract, that other person was going to get into a, a purchase and sale contract with the end buyer, you would require the end buyer to put up some stiff, earnest money to make sure that they closed. Mm. And if they didn't close, you got to keep that earnest money. So whether he found out how much you were making or not, it was irrelevant because he had his own earnest money in the game and he would stand to lose it if uh, you didn't close, if he didn't close. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, a good good solution. What you're making hundred thousand dollars? I want to get. I don't want to close. That's okay. I'll keep your fifty thousand dollars earnest money exactly. instead. <laughs> exactly. So you know, and then if you can also put other types of teeth in the purchase and sale contract towards the end buyer, where you uh, one of the end, the buyer's def- uh, remedies for default or the seller's remedy for default is specific performance. Where hey, if the guy doesn't close, you can sue him and say you have to buy this property from me at that price. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Very good. So uh, two events, Charles. One is tomorrow night, the normal RIA meeting that uh, is held at the Jordan Crossing at Seymour and Reading. And you will be on at six o'clock. Folks can't show up at 730 and think that they're going to hear you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you will be on at six o'clock. And uh, I will be there. really the topic tomorrow is uh, is very much around the, the how, how do you find the good deal. So that's step one. And then uh, over the weekend, we've got uh, your, yourself and Jillian doing a two-day seminar for Cincinnati RIA. Folks can get more information about that at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's Cincinnati, R-E-I-A.com, or at 859-292-RIA. Well, Charles, we are about out of time. You've, wow. you've, you've convinced me so well, far. I think Mr. Florence, I think Mr. Florence, Kentucky uh, was pretty convincing too. <laughs> yeah, he was. So. He was. He was convincing. Yes. So uh, I'll be there tomorrow night to to see if you can if you can totally suck me in on this. I I think I I, I want <laughs> well, it no, to. Tomorrow, uh, okay. All right. I, no, I, but you have to be there on Sunday. I will. I will. I I, I want it to be true. It's it sounds it sounds like you got a good process here. So uh, we appreciate you sharing with the listeners on real life real estate investing. And we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. 